Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. Well, we've been teaching on the Holy Spirit, and we started in John chapter 16. And in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus was preparing his disciples for his departure. And he talked primarily about two things. Number one, he talked about our authority and the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. The other thing that he talked about was the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, it's amazing that in most churches, what they leave out is, number one, the authority of the believer, teaching that you have authority over the works of the devil, and number two, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We need both of those things if we're going to overcome challenges and fulfill our God-given destiny. And Jesus in John 16, verse 7 said, it's very necessary, it is expedient for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, then the Holy Spirit will not come. Jesus said, I got to leave so I can send him to you. And when he's come, he talked about in verse 8, he's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And then he, he explains it. He says, of sin, because they believe not on me. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the world. He convicts the world of sin, specifically the sin of not believing on Jesus. Because if you don't believe on Jesus, he can't do anything about all the other sins in your life. Then he says, of righteousness because I go to my Father. The Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us that Jesus is the righteousness of God. And that Jesus makes righteousness or right standing with God available to every believer when you believe on him. Praise God. You know, God sent Jesus to declare his righteousness. That he might be just and the justifier of him who believes in Jesus. That's what Romans 3, verse 25, verse 26, right in there says. Praise God. The only way God could play fair is base everything on Jesus. And if you believed on Jesus, you're made righteous. If you haven't, you're a sinner. You're lost. You need to get saved. Amen? Then he says of judgment, and he explains that. Because the prince of this world has already been judged. Satan is a defeated foe. He has already been judged. Praise God. He has already been defeated. He is not what he used to be. Isaiah prophesied of him in Isaiah uh, chapter 14 and said, we will look on him and say, is this the one who caused the nations to fall? Is this the one? Because he's so defeated. Jesus defeated the devil in his death and resurrection. You know, the devil is hardly talked about in the Old Testament. About a dozen times, 10 of them in Job, once in Isaiah, and once in Ezekiel. And it's because they didn't have power over the devil like we have power over the devil. But you get to the Gospels, to the life of Jesus, man. Jesus starts ministering the power of the Spirit, and the devil's here, the devil's there. But Jesus took authority over the devil. And in his death and resurrection, he defeated the devil. The devil is not what he used to be. He doesn't have power. We have power. We have authority. And if you ever saw for a moment in time how good God is, how much he loves you, how amazing his plan is for you, and how defeated the devil is, how victorious Jesus is, you would be done serving the devil. But a lot of people just don't know it. They try to make the devil out to be something he's not. Praise God. You know, if one-third of the angels fell at, when Satan came uh, in, in the garden and, and did his rebellion, then there's two-thirds they're still working for us, that are still on our side, that are still helping us. And we've got, we've got angelic, uh, we've got angels. We've got all kinds of amazing things, but a lot of times the church doesn't know what they've been given. Praise God. 
And the devil is no match. He is no match for Jesus. He is no match for God. These demons are no match for what you've been given in Christ. Praise God. You know, we're to cast out devils by the power of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. We're to cast them out. We're not to give the... Some people doing all this thing. The devil did this and the devil... Who cares? Man. Glory to God. I'm going to keep rejoicing. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to keep believing. I love what Barbara said. We overcame by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Jesus already won the victory, so I'm going to put faith in God moving to the victory that's been given to me. Amen? Praise God. So he talked about the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the world to convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. He explained it. Then he began to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the church or to his disciples in verse 12 through 16. And he says, I have a lot of things to tell you, but you can't bear them. You can't understand them. You can't grasp them. Now, you've got to be born again to understand, to get revelation of the things of the Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit leads believers. He leads them first into salvation. He leads them secondly into revelation. How many of you are glad the Holy Spirit gives us revelation? Jesus said he'll glorify me for he'll show you things to come. How many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit show you things to come? Praise God. He shows us. You know, the Bible actually says this, that the secret of the Lord is with them who fear him. To them will he show his covenant. That's Psalm chapter 25, verse 14. And he'll, he'll show you secret things. He'll give you revelation. So he leads us in salvation, revelation, and productivity. The Holy Spirit produces fruit. And the Holy Spirit shows us the plan of God. Thank God we couldn't do what we do without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. So that's his ministry in the world, then in the church. Then last week we talked about if you're born again, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we talked about how valuable that is. That is a secondary work to salvation. And we went to the book of Acts where Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. When they saw the miracles that he did, when they heard the demons come out, they, they gave heed to the word that Philip spoke and there was great joy in that city. They got saved. They believed. And then they were water baptized. You can read about that. Acts chapter 8, about verse 5 through verse 10. And then read on down, verse 12, they were baptized. But then Jerusalem heard, and the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. So they sent Peter and John, and Peter and John went down there and laid hands on them in about verse 16, 14, 15, 16, 17, right down through there. And they received the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And you know what? If you're born again, you need to go ahead and take the next step and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19, they spoke in other tongues. And the value of tongues is this. When you pray in the Spirit, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14, when I pray in the Spirit, my understanding is unfruitful. Does that mean I'm not going to pray in the Spirit because I don't know what I'm saying? He said, no, what then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray with my understanding. I will sing with my Spirit. I will sing with the understanding. Praise God. So once you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can just pray in the Spirit at will. I will pray in the Spirit. And I will. I can pray in tongues just like I pray in the understanding. In fact, I pray in tongues a lot more than I pray in the understanding. I, I get more out of praying in tongues than I do a lot of times because I'm limited by my understanding. 
But when I'm praying in tongues, my spirit is praying. Hallelujah. I believe that we're praying the perfect will of God. And did you know, thank God for this. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to speak in other tongues. And there's a difference between the personal prayer language and the public gift of tongues. And we'll talk about that. The personal prayer language is given for your personal uh, edification. The public gift of tongues is given for the for a public meeting or a group of believers, and, and there's a tongue, and then there's an, in, just like we had, right? We just had a tongue, and then we had an interpretation of tongues. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this today if I get to it, praise God. But that's, that's what it's given for. But there's a difference between a public gift of tongues and a personal gift of tongues. So your personal gift, that's for every believer, and not every believer has the gift of tongues as a public gift. But you can move into the public operation of those things. Amen? Praise God. Last week while we were in this service, I was down here and I was praying in the Spirit. I a lot of times pray in the Spirit. And I started worshiping and God gave me a word in the Spirit. And then as I was praying, I got the interpretation. But Barbara was up here and Barbara started talking about increase. Aaron was over there. Aaron flows in this thumb, and he was playing the flute, and he got this word. It's not for our glory. It's for the glory of God. And then I came up and gave an interpretation, right? And I talked about how that God wants to multiply many people. God wants to multiply the church. God wants to do a lot of different things. But when he does it, it is not for the glory of a man. See, Barbara had part of that. Aaron had part of it. And as I... A lot of times when you get a word like that, you'll get part of it, and then you just start flowing. As you flow in it, God will give you more revelation. Amen? And so thank God for these gifts. And so today we're going to go on from the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is given for your personal edification. And if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you don't pray in tongues, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Man, we had a great message yesterday, and James Lisi was here, and he shared in our men's fellowship about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues. And he said, if you would start praying in tongues like 30 minutes a day instead of five minutes a day, he said, you'd start going a lot farther with God and seeing a lot more happen. And he talked about how praying in tongues, you don't have to have just a specific time when you take, you can pray in tongues when you're driving down the road. I pray in tongues when I'm in the, on the treadmill in the morning. I pray in tongues laying in bed at night. If I get too carried away, I get up and go somewhere else so I don't bother Barbara. But I pray in tongues. You know what? I pray in tongues a lot. Amen? I pray in tongues more, like I said, than I pray in English. Praise God, because when you pray in tongues... You know, Paul was not... The, he was not born again when the Holy Spirit was sent in, the, in Acts chapter 2. He wasn't born again until Acts chapter 9 and when he was on the road to Damascus and Jesus arrested him. Hallelujah, Jesus needs to arrest some of you. But anyway, Jesus arrested him, and he got his attention, and he got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, um, but Paul wrote about half of the New Testament. Now, how can a guy who wasn't with Jesus when he walked on the earth, right, who was not with the disciples, right, who came in later when the Holy Spirit was first sent, right, half... Well, first of all, he had studied under the feet of Gamaliel, so he'd studied the law, so he had a lot of understanding, but the Holy Spirit made it revelation. And when you pray in tongues, this is one thing that will come. God will give you revelation. 
But James was just talking about if you'll start praying in tongues a half hour a day instead, you'll start getting more personal revelation. He said, if you start praying in tongues three or four hours a day, he said, when you go to Walmart, all of a sudden you'll start having words for people and different things will happen. He said, it'll amaze you what God will reveal to you if you'll start spending time praying in the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Thank God for, you know, what a gift that we've been given. I don't know why anybody would want to, you know, move away from it. If I have a problem with Pentecostal, full gospel, or charismatic churches, it's that a lot of times we have moved back from what we've been given. And we shouldn't be moving back from it. God said in the last days he'd pour out of his spirit on all flesh. He said, your sons, your daughters will prophesy and your old men will dream dreams. You know, Luke, the end of Luke in Luke chapter 24, Luke says the whole reason that Jesus came, that he was crucified and was and resurrected is so that repentance and remission of sin would be preached to the whole world. So the gospel would be preached. But then he said, don't, be, don't leave town until you're endued, until you're clothed with power from on high, till you receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. Man, if you're born again and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And in the book of Acts, when they got baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues. Now, somebody asked me, they said, is it possible for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? Pro only probably if religion messed with you. So Andrew Womack, my good friend, he was raised Southern Baptist. They preach against tongues. Barbara actually grew up in like a Baptist church. And she went to church. She was like a little girl, like seven or eight years old. And the pastor got up. He was reading from the Bible, from the book of Acts about speaking in tongues. And then he was preaching that it wasn't for today. And Barbara thought, that's in the Bible and that's for me. Hallelujah. Amen. If you're open, God will show you the truth no matter where you're at. Amen. You know, and God can go beyond our natural thinking sometimes and do things. But she just, and, and later, did you know what? She ended up, when they had a tragedy in their family and some different difficulties, she ended up going to a, a very spirit-filled church, and her, she just loved it. Praise God. And then it's good she loved that, or she probably wouldn't have loved me. <laughs> Amen. And Barbara got started with Dave Duell years ago, about the same time that I got started with Andrew Womack. And one of these people that was listening to Andrew Womack was going to Dave Duell's church, and Dave didn't like some things, and they got together, and they were great friends for years till Dave went home to be with Jesus. But thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? If I, if I wasn't, I was raised in a traditional church. They didn't believe in almost anything. You know, we were saved and very stuck. We thought everything was up to God. You know, if you think it, the, the will of God is not automatic, and it's not all up to God. You've got to use what's been given to you. In fact, James taught from Romans 8.26. You know, Romans 8.28 says this. All, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to purpose, his purpose. But if you don't put verse 20, 28 with verse 26, where we were out last week and talked about, you know, how the Spirit prays through us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Spirit helps our weaknesses. And then it says he makes intercession for us according to the will of God. Do you know Jesus? It says he that knows, 
the, the mind of the Spirit. In, in verse 27, actually, I believe it's talking about the Holy Spirit that's in us in verse 26 in our prayer language. Verse 27 is talking about he that makes intercession for us according to the will of God. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God and praying for you. He ever lives to make intercession for those of us. So I believe when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're, you're praying the perfect will of God. For, uh, you know, you're praying to God the perfect will of God. Somebody had this question. They listened to just a little portion of my message. They didn't listen to the whole thing. And they said, well, when you pray in tongues, you're not personally edified. Well, they didn't read the rest of 1 Corinthians 14. Because it says when we pray in tongues that we edify ourselves. Now, he said, he that prophesies edifies the church. And tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy, right? To prophesy, it says, he that prophesies, and I'm going to get to this maybe, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, speaks to the church edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so these speaking, there's a lot of confusion about spiritual gifts, and we need the spiritual gifts in the church. But if you want to move into the spiritual gifts, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it will personally edify you and bring revelation. And I believe the reason that Paul uh, had so much revelation is because he prayed in the Spirit. And when he was rebuking this church for being out of order in the gifts, he actually said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. So when you read 1 Corinthians 14, which gives a lot of instruction on this uh, operation of the speaking gifts, what you have to realize, there's some places in there, it's talking about personal prayer language, personal edification, and some places in there, it's talking about the public operation of the gift of tongues. And so you have to separate that, and then it'll make sense. Amen? Otherwise, you just won't, won't make a lot of sense. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we are today in 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to go on and talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to have a really brief, very brief teaching by the grace of God on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, I have a whole series on understanding spiritual gifts. If you want to get that, it'll explain this, and I teach for several hours on it. I have another one on um, gifts, gifts, and more gifts, which is a brief teaching on the different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, the Father gives, and Jesus gives. So, in verse 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. God does not want us to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. And there is a lot of ignorance concerning spiritual gifts, spiritual things. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led. You were Gentiles, you were heathen, right? You worshiped idols that could not speak and could not hear. You know, probably close to 30 years ago, I went to Nepal with Dr. Delron Shirley, and I was ministering over there, and I had this little boy, I was talking to him about God and Jesus, and he says, let me show you my God. And so as he's taking down, me down the street to show me his God, I said, does your God have eyes? He said, yes. I said, can he see? He said, no. He's about eight. I said, did he have ears? Yeah, he has ears. I said, can he hear? He said, nope. You know, he was honest. I said, does he have hands? He said, yes. I said, can he work? He said, oh, no, he can't work. Does he have feet? Oh, yeah, can he go places? Oh, no. Amen. He said, you were, you were carried away with dumb, non-speaking. God is a God who wants to move among you, wants to work among you. And he works by his spirit. 
Where I, he, he goes on in verse 3, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no man can say that Jesus is the Lord. See, he is the one true God. He's the only one who can save you. Right? We don't worship him like a God, like one of 300 million like they do in Nepal or India. Right? He is the one true God. Jesus is the Lord except by the Holy Ghost. It takes the Holy Spirit to take convict you of your sin. It takes the Holy Spirit to bring you into a relationship with Jesus. Now he goes on and says there are different kinds of gifts. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So he's talking in verse 4 about these nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are listed in verse 8 through 10. And then he says this, there are differences of administrations or ministries, but the same Lord. He's talking about five uh, public preaching and teaching ministry gifts that Jesus gives to the church. They're listed in Ephesians 4, verse 11 and verse 12. And it says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. He says this, for the perfecting, for the maturing, for the completing of the saints, right? For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. When Jesus gives these five public preaching and teaching gifts, not everybody has one. It specifically says some. He gives them to complete, to mature, to perfect the church so the church right, can be built up and the church can carry out the work of the ministry. Ministry shouldn't stop at these church doors. Ministry should start here, and it should go out of here to the world. Did you, even though every person doesn't have a five-fold public preaching and teaching ministry gift, every person is called to minister. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, As every man has received a gift, so let him minister the same one to another as good stewards of the many-sided grace of God. That's talking about something that every believer has received. So that's talking about salvation. And if you're saved, you ought to be telling people about Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, he said he gave these five-fold ministry gifts from Jesus to equip the saints to complete the saints, to mature the saints so they can do the work of the ministry so the body of Christ can be built up. Then he says in verse uh, 6, there are diversities, there are different kinds of operations, but it's the same God who works all in all. Now in verse 6, I believe he's actually talking about motivational gifts, and I believe these are spoken of in Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through verse 8, there's actually seven of them. And, and these motivational gifts, I be, now this is what I believe. I'm not going to say this is absolute gospel. This is what I believe. This is what I think. And I think I'm right. Okay? Now, I think these motivational gifts, it's like your personality. It's like your makeup. It's like the, the way that God has made you so that you can be a success in life. And he talks about a gift of prophecy. He talks about a gift of serving right? Ministry, it's called. He talks about a gift of teaching. He talks about a gift of exhortation, which is encouragement. He talks about a gift of administration or ruling. He talks about a gift of mercy, and he talks about a gift of giving, okay? And this is my take on these, okay? Has anyone, for instance, ever had a teacher 
for instance, in high school that you knew had a gift to teach yet you knew they weren't born again, but you knew they had a gift to teach. I'm going to raise my hand. Dr. Henderson's raising his hand. Several of you raising you. You know, in other words, that you had a teacher that had a gift to teach and yet they weren't born again. So that, to me, that's a motivational gift from God. I had a math teacher. I knew this math teacher was not born again, but this math teacher could teach like, and it was a gift from God. There are people who have a gift to administrate. I'm not one of them. Administration is not my strength. It's one of my weaknesses. Now, I'm stronger. I personally know that I'm strong in the gift of teaching, in the gift of giving, right? I know those are my two strongest gifts, okay? But those gifts, those personality traits, they have strengths and they have weaknesses. Now, what rounds us out and brings us to the center is the fruit of the Spirit, right, which is character, all right? But, but these are, that's my personal take on those. So there are gifts given by the Holy Spirit. There's nine of them, right? There are gifts given by Jesus. There's five of them. Those are ministry gifts. They're public preaching and teaching gifts. And then there's every, every person that's born, in my opinion, has gifts from, I don't believe God created anybody to fail. I believe God created everybody to succeed. And I believe the way we succeed is through the gifts of God that we have. Now, let's look at this as we begin to talk about these manifestations of the Spirit in verse 7. This is my first point. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to every person to profit with all. Every person who's born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit has at least one of the manifestations of the Spirit. You have at least one gift of the Holy Spirit, one of these nine. Now, just like we looked in verse 4, 5, and 6, I believe there's three classes of the gifts. There's, or three, three classes. In, in the nine manifestation of the Spirit, there are three categories of the gifts. Okay, so these manifestations of the Spirit are given to every person. How many of you are born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit? Okay, then you have at least one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in your heart, in your spirit. Now you have to learn how to develop that. Now, seven of these nine manifestations of the Spirit were in operation in the Old Testament and also in the life of Jesus. Only two of them were not operational in the Old Testament and in the life of Jesus, and they are the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues because that was not yet given. Okay, but all the other seven were in operation both in the Old Testament and in the life of Jesus. Now, everybody has one, okay, and they're given. Notice how they're given. They're given not for your personal profit, right, but they're given for the profit of the body. They're given to profit the whole body. So God wants them working so the whole body profits like he wants to. Now, There are three gifts in these nine manifestations of the Spirit. There are nine. This is point point number one is every one of you who's born again and baptized in the Holy Spirit has at least one manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Gift. One gift for the Holy Spirit. Point number two is there are nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. Of these nine, there are three gifts of revelation. Those are gifts that see. There are three gifts of power. Those are gifts that work. And there are three gifts that speak, right? Those are gifts of inspiration. The three gifts of revelation are the word of wisdom, 
the word of knowledge and the discerning of spirits. The three gifts of power are the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healing. That's actually plural. When you read it in the Greek, it's gifts of healings. And not any one person in the body of Christ has all of the gifts of healings. Jesus is the only one who had all of the gifts of healing. Because Jesus is the only one who could handle the glory that went with that. Okay? All right? And then there are three gifts of inspiration or gifts that speak. They are the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Okay, so we're going to define them and we're going to go through this very quickly. But the gift in the gifts of revelation, the first one is the word of wisdom. He says in verse 8, for to one is given by the Spirit the word, notice that, the word of wisdom. It's not words, it's not all wisdom, it's not like Proverbs wisdom. Proverbs wisdom, just wisdom, works for anybody, right? The word of wisdom is a supernatural operation when God gives you a specific word of his wisdom concerning the future. It's revealed by the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says in, in the rest of the verse, to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit. So the word of knowledge will be like a specific word of God's knowledge of something that is present or in the past that's revealed by the Spirit. Okay, last week, Barbara operates in this in the area of healing. But during Flourish, she had 61 ladies at Flourish this last week. And there was a new person visiting. It was their very first time. And Barbara, when she got up to minister, the Lord revealed to her, she said, there's a person here, you're having terrible pain in your neck right now. Who are you? And this one person raised her hand. It was their very first time. Barbara had the people around this person lay hands on them and pray for them, and all the pain left them. Right? The other night, we were having a Wednesday evening service, and Aaron was ministering. At the end, when he got done ministering, he said, he said right now, somebody's having nerve pain. It's in this leg. And he, he said it, and, and there was a lady. They usually don't come on Wednesday night, and they were here, and this lady was going through that. But she, he said, there are several of you that are having nerve pain. There were actually four people in the service that night that had nerve pain, and all four of them were healed. He prayed for all four of them, and all four of them were healed supernaturally. That, that was a word of knowledge. He didn't know that by the natural. It was a word, a specific word of God's knowledge. That's It can be very accurate. One time we were, when we were in the church on Elkton, Barbara got a word of knowledge that there was a person there and they had a tumor the size of a pea on their brain above their right ear. And this lady came forward. Well, God didn't only reveal to Barbara that this person had a, a tumor the size. He revealed to Barbara that it was an older man. And so we prayed for that person, but Barbara came and said, listen, that wasn't the person. The person that's here, it's, a, it's an older man that has this. And so I got up later in the service when I was, and I said, there's someone here and you still haven't come forward and you got a pea-sized tumor, you've been diagnosed, it's on your brain above your right ear. And this older gentleman came for, forward, he was up in his 60s or se early 70s, and we prayed for, he was visiting from Grand Junction. It was his only Sunday here and God completely healed him that day. So see, that, that's a very specific word of knowledge. 
But words of knowledge can be about lots of things. If you're reading 2 Kings chapter 6, and I'll go over there and just give you a brief uh, talk about it, but in verse 8 through verse 17, Syria was at war with Israel. And the Syrian king would make plans and tell his army to go certain places and do certain things. And, and Elisha the prophet would tell the king of Israel before it happened, don't go in this place because they were, they're going to be there. The Syrians, are, he would tell them news before it happened. And this happened several times. And the king of Syria got mad and he said, we've got a spy. And his servant says, no, we don't have a spy. Israel has a prophet. And he's, tell, and he's in his bedroom, and he's telling the king of Israel what the words that you're saying in your bedroom. And so this Syrian king said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send an army over there, and we're going to get this prophet and <laughs> remove him. He's a problem. And so he sent this army where uh, the king, where Elisha was over to Samaria, and they surrounded S Samaria with this army. And Elisha's servants said, my goodness, what are we going to do? We've got so many. And Elisha said, listen, we've got more for us than against us. And he said, one, two, 100, 200, 300. <laughs> you know, he's thinking Elisha's crazy. So Elisha prayed for him. And he prayed, God opened his eyes. And God opened his eyes. And he when he opened his eyes, he saw that the mountains and the hills around about Samaria were full of horses and chariots of fire. He saw into the realm of the Spirit. You know, a few weeks ago, we were in worship in first service, and God told me there are things going on in the realm of the Spirit. There are things happening right now in the realm of the Spirit. He told me this about a month ago. He said, in the realm of the Spirit, and he said, you're getting ready to see the results here in this church. There, he said, I am doing things for you in the realms of the Spirit, in the, and you're getting ready to see the results in the church. And then that Wednesday evening, Aaron was preaching, and when Aaron was preaching, he began to preach about the God of angel armies, and it was exactly... What God showed me Sunday morning in the early service during worship, and I didn't tell anybody. And I thought, woo, that is good. <laughs> I liked it so much, I watched it Wednesday night, and I went Thursday again and watched it again because it was exactly what God showed me. Hallelujah. And you know, there are things, a lot of times, and this is what happens. So with Elisha here, he was given the word of wisdom. He was telling, right? the king of Israel, where the Syrian armies were going to be before they got there. And the word of knowledge, he was showing him things. And then he was also operating in the discerning of spirits. Those are the three gifts that see. The discerning of spirits is to discern the presence or activity of a spirit, whether it's good or evil. It's not the discerning of devils. Some of you think you have that, and if you turn it and use it on yourself, you wouldn't be doing it no more. See, in, in John chapter 1, Jesus operated in seven of these gifts also, right? And in John chapter 1, Philip brought Nathanael to Jesus. And, and when, when Nathanael came to Jesus, said, Behold, an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Nathanael said, How do you know me? He said, Oh, Nathanael, I saw you before you came here sitting under the fig tree. He said, My Lord and my God. <laughs> he gave a word of knowledge, right? 
And, and, and Jesus said, listen, you're going to see lots more than this. Hallelujah. That's the operation of the discerning of spirits and the word of knowledge. See, these gifts flow together. A lot of times the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, they just flow together. They're so close that they're, they're really hard to, you know, distinguish almost. But the word of wisdom is a specific word. It's not all wisdom. It's a specific word. Got to give you a little word of wisdom about the future. The word of knowledge is a specific word of God's knowledge about something that's present or in the past. And the discerning of spirits is to discern the presence or activity of the spirit, whether it's good or evil. That's the gifts of revelation. Then there are gifts of power. And the gifts of power, the first one is the gift of faith. And it's when God gives you, it's a special gift of faith just to believe him. Right? There's no personal really involvement. He just gives you faith. It's the, a good example from the Bible is Daniel when they threw him in the lion's den. And the king prayed, right, fasted all night. He was worried about Daniel because he knew Daniel was a good man. He went down first thing in the morning and he, he, uh, they had sealed this, the, the, the den and he opened it up and he said, Daniel, servant of the Most High God, is the God that you serve able to deliver you? Oh, yes, king. He sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. I mean, he didn't do anything. He just was there resting, rested well, slept all night. Praise God. Now, with Samson, it was different with Samson. Samson had the working of miracles. And with the working of miracles, it's like God works through a person or instrument to perform a supernatural act in an instant. And Samson was on the way, right? And a lion roared against him. He took his bare hands and killed the lion, Right? And then the Philistines got him and they bound him up and the Spirit of God came on him. And this is the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament operation. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would come on them. In the New Testament, the Spirit of Christ lives in you 365, 24-7. And the anointing in you will lead you to the anointing on you. So you have the Spirit of Christ. They didn't have the Spirit of Christ in them that like you have the Spirit of Christ in you. The Spirit of God would come on them. See, Jesus said the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken. That's an anointing to minister to other people. Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you drink the water that I give you, John 4, 14, it will be in you a well springing up to eternal life. That's leading you into salvation. But in John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39, he talked about how the Spirit would be poured out on them and out of their belly would flow rivers of living water. When you're born again, it's like an anointing in you. But then when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like an anointing on you. And that gives you power, special, wonderful, miracle-working power to be witnesses for Jesus. And, and the anointing in you will lead you to the anointing on. So if you learn to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit in you, he'll lead you, right, to the anointing on you and make, make you better ministers of the gospel. How many of you know everything we got's better now? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we have the anointing. So we have the Spirit of God. So the Spirit of God came on Samson, and he killed a lion with his bare hands. And the Spirit of God came on Samson, and he took a jawbone of a donkey, and he killed a thousand men. And the Spirit of God came on Samson, and he carried off the city gates. And the Spirit of God came on Samson, and he pulled down the house and killed twice as many Philistines in his death as he did in all of his life. In that, he was a type of Christ. That's the working of miracles. God works miracles. 
Jesus took a little boy's lunch and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave his disciples and they blessed it and broke it and they fed over 5,000 people. That was the working of miracles. Jesus walked on the water. That was the working of a miracle. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went up to the temple and there was a man who had been lame from his mother's womb and he had never walked and, and, he, and he reached out for an alm and P Peter said, listen, I, I don't have my wallet today. I don't have any money, but I got something better than that. In the name of Jesus, you get up and walk. And Peter and John took him by the hands and immediately his feet and ankle bones, it was the working of a miracle, received strength. And, and he went walking and leaping and praising God. I'm telling you, we've got the working of miracles. Glory to God. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there's the gifts of healings. When Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them, they heard the demons come out and they saw the miracle. Many who had the palsy, Philip had a gift of healing in the area of palsy that were healed. Ernest Angley had a gift of healing with deafness and nearly every deaf man he prayed for was healed. Charles and Francis Hunter in recent times had a gift of healing. Nearly every person that they prayed for with back problems was healed. Stephen Jeffries was a man years ago who had a gift of healing and nearly every person that he laid hands on with rheumatoid arthritis was completely healed. Had many, many people raised out of wheelchairs. How many of you heard of Reinhard Bonnke? Do you know Reinhard Bonnke went to Stephen Jeffrey's house in the la latter part of his life and Stephen Jeffrey's laid hands on him. And that anointing went from Reinhard Bonnke over on to, or Stephen Jeffrey's onto Reinhard Bonnke. Hallelujah. See, God is still alive today. These miracles still work today. Amen? But see, they're still in operation. And then we have the, we have the speaking gifts. They are the gift of prophecy. He that prophesies speaks to men exhortation, edification, and comfort. So we had a tongue and interpretation which equals prophecy. So like if tongues was 50,000, right? And, and, and the interpretation was 50,000, you put it together and you got 100,000. It's worth much more than that. How many of you were encouraged today when, when this, this word of prophecy went forward, Okay. You were encouraged today. That, that encourages the body of Christ, right? Tongues plus interpretation equals prophecy. But prophecy is just to speak out the word. Tongues and interpretation together equals prophecy. Paul says, I would, if you pray with tongues, that you also prophesy. Let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he might prophesy. Just move on up from tongues into interpretation or pray that you might interpret, he says, actually, in 1 Corinthians 14. So these are gifts, and they're all given for the edification of the body. When you, when you read 1 Corinthians 14, and he's given instruction concerning these um, speaking gifts, he said, let it all be done decently in order. Let it be all done for the edifying of the church. We want the church to be edified, to be built up. Amen? But we don't... It doesn't mean that you don't operate in the church. You know, recently I went to a pastor's meeting in town and there was a, a four square pastor. He said, oh, I love your church. My daughter comes here and goes to your youth. She's my youth leader. And she, your church has youth on a different night. It ministers to her so much. And then there was a pastor from a reformed church. He said, can you tell me where I could go to a church that operates in the gifts of the spirit today? I said, oh yeah, you could come to ours. They were, and these two pastors prayed for me. I asked them to pray for me. I said, listen, I really need help in administration. And they prayed for me, and I was driving home, and the Lord said, call Damon Peterson. 
And I called Damon Peterson the next day, and Damon came out here the day after that. I, that was Tuesday. On Wednesday, I called Damon, went and met with him. On Thursday, he came out here and talked to my personal assistant for several hours. And, and, he, and, and then I asked him, I said, have you talked to Renee? He said, no. I said, are you going to go to work for us? He said, yeah, but I'm going, he said, I'm going to go to work for you anyway because you really need help. And the Lord says, we need to help those <laughs> need help, and you really need help. So I, I needed help bad, praise God. And I told you, that's kind of my weakness. You know, I do everything I can until I can't do no more, and then I just get somebody else to help me. Praise God. So, some, some of my help was gone this week, and I was texting, and I was upsetting people because they don't understand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to upset you. just trying to get the job done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I need help. <laughs> but God's given me lots of help. Amen. And so we can go to the next level and do different things. Hallelujah. So it's so good we have all these gifts. Now, my last point, and I'm going to share it really quickly. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. Just sit where you're at. Don't run off. We've got some good things going to happen. He says, but all these works that one and selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. The spirit gives these gifts. You're not limited to one. He'll give you several, and they operate. They're given as he wills, and they operate as the spirit wills. Okay, you don't just... So I'll give you an example. Andrew Womack has raised at least three people from the dead. Now, Andrew Womack has been called to pray for many more people than three, many more people to raise them from the dead, but lots of them have not been raised from the dead. And this is what Andrew will say. He'll say, it's either there or it's not, and if it's not, you ain't going to make it happen. That means it's not in your control. These gifts are not in your control. You can put yourself in a place to be used by the Holy Spirit, but you're not the one who manifests it. You're not the one who operates. It's the Holy Spirit operating through you. Right now, you can shut it off. Right? The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet, but at the same point in time, you're not going to control how they operate. Amen? But thank God for the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. God does not want us to be ignorant concerning the gifts. God does not want us to be barren concerning the gifts. But God wants us to move into and minister in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.